Hi everyone, welcome to Potluck Food Talks, episode number four. Number four. We're going yeah. to talk about pizza today. Pizza, tasty, tasty pies, things on flat pieces of dough. What are your thoughts on pizza? What what makes a good pizza for you? Well, I fucking love pizza. Pizza is one of those foods that's just like, you know, there's a couple of foods in like in the world that are just perfect, right? Uh, and like pizza is one of them because like pizza is so simple and so diverse um, apart from being something that, you know, in its simplicity, it can be elevated to be, you know, incredibly, incredibly delicious. Um, but it's also something that you can just like come back to all the time you know it's like it's something that you can eat all the time and i really like that you know it's just a staple for me as i said in the cultural appropriation episode italian food in general is something that that is rooted i would say in in all of western countries same as christianism just to say an example or roman law the everybody it has its own understanding of, of of pasta, mainly pasta and pizza. Uh, so and 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 for that matter, there are also like many different versions all over the world. Like you find a a New York pizza that that is completely different, and the meaning of pepperoni is also different. If you go to Argentina, you will see pizzas where where dough is uh, a lot thicker. Um, then of course it's so controversial Hawaiian pizza. Uh, I don't know. What what are your thoughts on this uh, multiculturality of the pie? Well, I mean, um, I think I think it's great, honestly. Like I think there's nothing wrong with it. You know, there's a lot of people hating on these sorts of things once they start changing from the original sort of you know version, the original format. But you know, I mean. That, this is the great thing about pizza. It's such a simple, simple thing, right? And if we talk about, when we talk about diversity, but also when we talk about quality of pizza, you know, the simplicity of it is like really key. <clears throat> so because it's so simple, you know, you can easily, I know a lot of purists are going to hate me, but like you can easily make like an Indian pizza, you know, we <laughs> can spread, you can take a, you can pay, take a naan bread and like put dal on it and like a couple of tandoori chicken pieces and like bake it. And it's basically like something like it's not a pizza. I wouldn't say it's a pizza, but you know, like um, it's the basic, the basis of it leaves you so much room for interpretation. Um, yeah. And it's the it's the fact that it's so, you know, you asked me earlier, like what makes a good pizza? And I think also that's the key is sort of like it's so simple that the key for really, really good pizza is, first of all, ingredients. And second of all, execution, but the execution kind of comes like later. I think first and foremost, it's ingredients. And if you have like good ingredients, wherever you are, whether you are in Sicily or whether you are in Bangkok, like things produce on a baked piece of dough, you know, um, the ingredients have to be top notch. So let's, let's break those ingredients down into uh, categories. And I think it makes sense to start with the dough and the flour. The way I understand it, this should be like a high protein flour, right? So it develops a, a better gluten, it's more elastic. Uh, what can you say about that? Yeah, I mean, yeah, sure. Uh, I mean, it's a uh, uh, sort of a double zero flour, you know, it's a traditional hard grain, um, you know, 
flour from Italy. That's that's the traditional thing. But like um, all the pizzas that I find really exciting, or all the pizza pizza yolos that I find really interesting and, and whose work I follow internationally, they all adopt. Um, they say, yeah, that's fine. But what's more important, having Italian flour or having the best flour that you can get? Because obviously, the flour has a short shelf life. So what people usually don't know, because you go to the supermarket and you buy flour that's like five months old, it's really bad. You know, it's kind of it's the same with everything um, rather than getting if you're a, a really freshly milled flour. So if you're in Italy, you want to use double zero Italian flour, you know, that makes the most sense. But if you're in Denmark, right, like why would you not use a flour that has the same properties that gets milled um, close to you, making it fresh and also using local grain? you know, which is, is just a sort of, you know, sustainable option. It's it's a, like a sort of win-win situation. So that's part of the reason why I think pizza is so beautiful because it's kind of like an expression of like where you are. You know, it's like flour. It's all the basic things of food. You know, it's flour, fermentation, and just seasonal ingredients, mainly vegetables, you know. So uh, in my understanding, like the, the formulation of a good pizza dough, uh, it's pretty much like a basic white bread. So something I've done that has worked for me when I hadn't had like, like a recipe at hand and I just had to to improvise, so to say, I would take like a a, a normal baguette recipe and add some replace uh, a percentage of the water with olive oil to give it elasticity, and that has worked perfectly for me. I don't know what what are your comments on that. I mean, so uh, as, as you know, like I spend quite a lot of time baking um, and also baking with uh, with natural leaven. And um, I could never really get pizza that I would like pizza dough to work in a way that I was very happy with. And so like through the research that I did, um, I, I learned about a couple of things. And I think one of the most important things is to use minimal yeast. You want to use much, much, much less yeast than you would in a bread, for example. Um, so often it's like, um, because in, in dough, uh, recipes, you calculate everything in percentages, baker's percentages, right? So in a sourdough bread, you would have maybe something like 20% of active sourdough in a pizza dough. It would only be about like one to 2% of active sourdough. Um, so it's much less. And then usually the fermentation is pushed like much longer, which doesn't create any sourness, but it kind of... It makes the dough, the flour has time to hydrate. It has time to ferment and create those like, um, you know, structured bubbles of fermentation. Um, but you don't have a pizza that then blows up. You don't have like a huge activity. So I think that's really, really key. And then um, really, really good pizzas are high percentage of hydration also. That means a large amount of water. For people who are not super baking savvy, you know, that means like, obviously the more water you have, the kind of like at a certain point, the more difficult your dough is going to be to handle. It's going to be runny and sticky and that. But um, if you think about mixing water, uh, flour with water, you kind of have to think as if you were cooking rice. If you cook one cup of rice in half a cup of water, it's just not never going to be fully cooked and it's never going to be fully um you know, saturated and soaked up. And it's not really going to be digestible. And it's kind of the same thing with flour, you know. I think what makes bad pizza bad is for one big part of dough, because they don't use enough water to make it easier and they don't let it ferment and hydrate long enough. 
So it's basically, you know, flour that's not hydrated enough that's then baked anyway. So I think mm -hmm. those are those two things are the main key things for good pizza dough: minimal yeast and uh, high hydration. What about the kneading process? Oof, yeah, I mean, there's so many different approaches to that. Um, uh, last time we made pizza together, you weren't that uh, pizza we did uh, at my place. Yeah. There were, well, I, I tried for, for the first time a dough recipe that didn't require any kneading at all, just making the uh, fermentation time longer. I remember this was like uh, two days, if I'm not wrong, like at a really long fermentation yeah. time. Uh, zero kneading, which is pretty practical for home cooking, except that you have to <laughs> make your dough two days in advance. Uh, but this this was a great pizza dough, I remember. Uh, and I, I've never done something like this without kneading. I remember it was just putting the ingredients together, like if you were doing a, a cookie. And the other thing that, that uh, was also kind of new for me, I had this prejudice that fresh yeast is always better than, than dried yeast. And not at all. We we did this dough with, with dried cheese and it worked out perfectly. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the no need method, you know, it's like, um, yeah, like I said, there's so many approaches to it. When I was baking bread, I was always doing no need. You know, there's a process that happens. People think that when you're kneading, you're creating gluten, but it's not exactly true necessarily that much. Um, mainly with like what you're doing when you're... Of course, you are stretching gluten and stuff, and like that's that's all fine. But when you're kneading, you're forcing the flour to hydrate, and gluten creation is something that happens naturally when flour gets mixed with water. There's a process that's called autolyse, where you can literally take some flour and some water, mix it together, and let it rest, and then after about an hour or so, I would say minimum an hour, you can also push this much much longer overnight, whatever depends on your recipe. Um, If you take this unneeded dough, you can already stretch it because the gluten is already created. So that for one, and then also fermentation um, makes the dough stronger by itself. It, it helps the strength of the dough. So, so yeah, I mean, um, but a lot of people, you know, they do need the dough and it's kind of like, but the pretty much all the pizza yolos that I follow that talk about their process, it's usually always about a two-day process of making the dough. They mix it, they sort of like knead it to help it hydrate, and then they let it rest, you know? What you then can do by letting, uh, after letting it rest, every now and again, you can give it a turn. That means you like sort of, you know, wet your hands a little bit and pick up the dough and kind of fold it into itself to help sort of like layer the gluten. It also distributes the heat inside of the dough. So obviously like the center of the dough is going to be warmer because of the fermentation, the outside is going to cool down. So by folding it, you distribute the heat evenly and you ensure a nice smooth fermentation. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm also a big fan of the no need method. Mm -hmm. What about the sauce? Let's go through the sauce. Yeah, the sauce. Uh, I mean, what do you like? What's, what sort of sauce do you like? Well, this is again, something that I learned relatively late. I would always like cook a uh, sauce, like a long time cooking sauce. And and then uh, uh, a pizzaiolo friend showed me how he did it. He would just take high quality canned tomatoes, uh, add a garlic, some oregano, and perhaps some olive oil, blitz it and use it raw. Just like, uh, just enough to make like a super thin layer on top of the dough. And that's it. 
and that yeah. really gives us this, this distinctive traditional pizza flavor, I think. Yeah, totally. I, I had exactly the same situation. I always thought, oh, you make a sauce, you cook, like you sweat onions and garlic and you add all this stuff uh, and then you cook it down a lot. And then I realized, and so I know it's just about, you know, because canned tomatoes, um, a lot of people think that canned tomatoes are, you know, a, uh, like not a good product, but there's canned tomatoes that are extremely high quality. Um, I agree, 100%. Yeah. And those tomatoes, you know, they're picked when they're super ripe and perfect and then they're preserved. You know, that's, that's exactly what it is. And I agree. Like, I really like this, um, this style of raw tomato sauce. I like it when you kind of uh, let it through a mouli. So there's mm -hmm. like still little chunks of like the tomato inside of the sauce. Yeah. And then, yeah, I season it with salt, sea salt and um, so garlic, of course, and a little bit of oregano. Um, and yeah, like you say, it's just a thin layer, you know, I feel like it's one of the biggest mistakes that I've definitely made and that people make when making pizza is that they just load the pizza up with sauce and ingredients and it's like just fully loaded and it never comes out right. But like talking about sauce, I really distinctly remember when I was in school, we did a, uh, we did an excursion, we did a trip to Rome and in Rome, there's these street carts that sell, um, like a, um, a pizza that's own, basically only tomato sauce. And I remember eating this, tomato, uh, this pizza. You, get it for, you got it for like a couple of euros, you know, just a slice on the go. But the tomato sauce, it was like really sour, like sour and fresh and fruity, you know? And it, it had this really, really particular fresh, sour tomato flavor. And I thought that was so incredibly delicious. So um, ever since then, I really like the, the raw tomato sauce. Mm -hmm. Uh, so, and then the, the other super basic ingredient, I would say, is uh, the cheese. Uh, what can you say about the mozzarella cheese? Or, or is it uh, allowed to use other type of cheeses? Would you go to jail in Italy for that? Um, I, think, I think you would go for, to jail, definitely, and you would suffer. You would, you would suffer <laughs> the, wrath, the wrath of Italy. <laughs> Pizza Nazis. Um, yes, exactly. They know about you when you arrive. They know. Um, but I think, so I kind of, um, I'm a little bit on like both sides of the river. I think it has to be mozzarella for a lot of it, right? I think like if you, like if, if you and me were to open a pizza place like next month, there has to be like, what is our staple, right? It has to be a margarita, no? Like if you're, just how you would judge a good bar by like a, how good their whiskey sour is or how good their whatever is, you know, or how good their Negroni is. A good pizzeria, you know, should be judged by how good their margarita is because there's nothing to hide. And uh, you have to have mozzarella. But then that being said, you know, I also don't necessarily think it's the right thing to just import mozzarella. You know, you can do it like Christian Puglisi, um, who's got one of my favorite pizzerias in the world based in Copenhagen um who you know makes his own mozzarella from local milk from local high quality raw milk you know and i mean what could be better than that that's exactly the quintessence of pizza it's local ingredients at the highest highest quality you know yeah and i think best is a perfectly good example for that uh, everything you, you you have just said about getting local flour um, local mozzarella and so on 
but at the same time being very respectful with, with uh, Italian pizza tradition, having the right ovens, uh, the, the right technique and so on. I have to say, uh, I went to Baest in, in Copenhagen and, and it's the best pizza I've had for sure in Denmark. Yeah. yeah. Did you have the potato one? No, I had one with, uh, I actually don't remember which pizza I have. I, I remember it had some uh, like pretty Danish ingredients. Uh, the, there was also one with, um, what's the name of this wild herb? Uh, the one that, uh, uh, Ortiga. Ortiga and nettles. Nettles. He also has oh, like yeah. a, a nettle pizza. Yeah, using wild herbs. I think that's pretty cool to to use like uh, whatever it is, like pizzas, tacos, or nigiris as a vague as a way of of uh, developing a, a style of cuisine. You know? No, totally. And I think that's like you know, like why why do I think pizza is so cool? You know, because it's kind of like it's exactly that. You can like if you're eating pizza today, it's kind of like how people have been eating for centuries. You know, it's like a fermented dough. Right. With things that they have around, you know, uh, preserved meats, preserved milk, as in cheese and seasonal vegetables put on a pizza, you know, local foraged herbs, etc. And like that's kind of the cool thing, you know, it's like it's so it's so raw um, in a way, but, you know, taking it to a really, really high level. And I think often I think it's really, really cool that we're still eating like that. I mean, people nowadays like, you know, I mean, not so much anymore, but a couple of years ago, they everybody was hating on gluten and gluten is the enemy you know but like um you know you think about it and it's sort of like and pizza hasn't changed that much for a lot of time you know and sort of like versions of this sort of food you know um have been you know have been documented for hundreds of years and it's been the sort of backbone of civilization bread you know bread in itself the backbone of of yeah modern civilization yeah, absolutely. Um, so going back to the cheese, I'm also a big fan of burrata in a good yeah. pizza. And what's the name of this other fatty mozzarella version that is sometimes used? Mm. Uh, Fior di latte. Yeah, exactly. That's also yeah. always... And my favorite pizza, I would say, is a caprichosa, probably. Yeah. Diavo Diavola. I always go for one or the other. Like... I always go for Diavola also. I love I love <laughs> Diavola since I was a kid. Since I was a kid, yeah. Um, yeah, I would agree. Like I I mean, but then again, I always I kind of like going to a pizza place and I feel like pizza place often they have like a daily special, you know. And I usually always go for that. You know, my one of my all-time favorite pizzas is um um pizza with um cima di rapa or like broccolini and that like uh, salchicha the like fennel sausage that they make the pork sausage with fennel seeds nice and that's like and that's like a super classic combination but it's just so extremely tasty you know it's so simple so 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 simple other good places here in San Sebastian, Umo, which are three former Garitz chefs. And my favorite pizza there is one with bacalao pil pil, which I think it's pretty dairy to do, to take bacalao pil pil 
putting it on a pizza and that it actually works. I think that that's the most difficult thing to make something like that work because it's pretty easy to, to mess up with, with uh, conceptually and also technically like, like a combination like that. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, definitely. But like, um, that's a delicious pizza. It's, it's just like everything you want in a pizza. And, but they make good pizza in general, you know, they just nail it. I mean, I really remember the anchovy pizza also. And it's just like, well, first of all, the dough is very good. The baking is very good. And then they just put like top-notch ingredients on it. You know, the sauce is good. And then super like, like really nice, delicious, high-quality anchovies. And um, it's just, yeah, it's just super, super delicious. They, they do a really good job. My one couple of my favorite places um, are in, based in London. I have two of my favorite pizzas that I've ever had are in London. One is called uh, Franco Mancas. Franco Manca now, anybody who's ever been in London will probably heard of Franco Manca. They started very small. I think they started in Brixton Market. Um, but now they have lots of locations they really branded out. But I went back, I think this beginning of this year, actually, and I had it again. And I had actually that pizza that I told you about with the salchicha and the broccolini. And it's just super good. And why is it good? Just because like the the dough is like charred and airy and light and the ingredients are just fantastic. And then there's another place in London called um, Bravo Ragazzi, which again, is just super nice. They make a really, really good calzone. Um, do you like calzone? Are you a calzone guy or? I, I, I used to be more when I was a kid, I would always order calzone, but in the last years, no, not anymore. I always go for caprichosa. Yeah. You know, I'm I'm the sort of guy like if I if I go to a pizza place and it looks good, I always have this like tendency of ordering a normal regular pizza and also a calzone just to see what it's like. Okay, just to measure the level. <laughs> yeah, no, just because I'm curious, you know, so I want to see. I I actually I I tend to go. There is always a pizza with the name of the restaurant, and I, I think that's always interesting also to order that because I mean. There has to be a reason they named uh, the pizza with, with the same name of, of the restaurant. It's probably something true. like the owner or the chef re really likes. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's true, actually. I never thought about that. There's always a pizza called um, after the, the actual restaurant. Yeah. yeah, other places that I could recommend is Parking Pizza in Barcelona. It's that, like a really cool concept. And my, my friend uh, Adriano... Uh, with his family, they opened a place in Quito, Ecuador, called Fato a Mano. They actually imported uh, ovens from Naples, so that they, they did it really well. Uh, it's also interesting to try. So, yeah, nice. what about the ovens and the baking process? What, what are the well? This is, again, I think this is a, a very common beginner's mistake. Someone who's doing pizza for the first time, they will put the oven like in 180 degrees <laughs> and actually you should put it as high as you can <laughs> if you're in a home oven and if it's a professional oven like uh, I would say 220 degrees would be like a, an okay temperature in my opinion. I think even more actually it's it's like it's really really high um, and I think that's really the main key to cooking good pizza is the high temperature temperature in the oven um you can of course you can go into a debate whether it has to be a wood-fired oven or not 
Um, I like the romanticism of a wood-fired oven. I don't know whether it actually adds that much to it, but undeniably, the cooking method is one of the most important parts of making a pizza for sure. Um, you like a, a pizza regularly will take around 60 seconds to 90 seconds to cook. You know, you put it in. It's just like if you don't get that, if you don't have a base of an oven that has stored a lot of heat, and you don't have a blazing, blazing heat, you will never get the rice. You'll get, um, you just get a solid sort of like piece of dough, which can still be fine, but it's just not what you want. You know, otherwise it'll, you'll never get those air pockets and that char. You'll just overcook your dough, and it'll get really tough. By because by the time it's cooked, you know, it's uh, or by the time it's got color, it's like super, super overcooked if you just cook it. I think it's impossible to cook a good pizza in your home oven, to be honest with you. Like, unless you do like a tray pizza, but like a traditional Neapolitan pizza, it's it's pretty much impossible. I've no. tried, you know, putting bake, baking stones inside and stuff, and it's really hard. Yeah, I was going to say that like uh, a baking stone with a home oven size helps a lot. Uh, and if I, if I were to do a pizza at home, uh, well, I've, like I've done before, uh, as I said, maximum temperature, uh, really letting it preheat and having a, a peel at hand to, to put the pizza in and out of the oven. Yeah, for sure. For sure. I, I personally think you're like better off when you're baking pizza at home to make like a sort of like um, trade pizza, like grandma style pizza, uh, um, you know, that you could see in New York a lot or, you know, also, you know, kind of similar to Pizza Altaglio, which is very popular in Rome. Uh, I mean, for pizza, people who don't know, Pizza Altaglio, uh, basically square sized pizza um, that um, you buy by the sort of like square slice, uh, famous, especially by, you know, made famous by people like Gabriele Bonci um in his restaurant uh pizzarium you know uh really really fantastic i mean he was also one of the pioneers of really elevating the ingredients that get put on pizza because for a long time um the, the, the pizza was a very cheap thing and he kind of brought it back back then i mean it's many years ago but he's very famous now anyway so yeah. uh have you tried this um wooden portable home ovens that works with, uh, with pellets. Oh yeah, like uh, Oni and those sorts of. Uh, uh -huh. Yes, I have I have tried them a couple of times, and I thought they were actually really impressive. Yeah. And there's Gosnes, no, and there's Oni, and um, uh, I thought they were fantastic. I really want to get one, and um, they produced really really good results. Yeah, I think it's a, the best way you can do a pizza at home as well with one of those. Hundred percent. Yeah. And then what? yeah, but you know, like pizza, the this like nowadays, there's so many cool variations of of people doing pizzas in in their own style. I mean, there's the whole like movement in Japan who are very based on like classic Neapolitan pizza, but with like a real sort of sense of purity. I mean, obviously in in the states, there's um, you know, there's obviously in, in New York and uh, all around the States, pizza is a, is a staple, but especially people like Anthony Mangieri with Una Pizza Napolitana, who was in New York and then in San Francisco and then back in New York, you know, like just kind of putting their own spin on, on it. Um, there's really cool videos of Anthony Mangieri actually 
uh, on YouTube where how he makes his dough, how he works the oven. And it's it's really fascinating to see. Um, you know, we talked about Christian Pugliese in Copenhagen. To mind for me also comes Kobe Desmeraldos, who, you know, had In the Wolf in Belgium, uh, Michelin, very famous Michelin star restaurant. Great restaurant. Who's also, mm. yeah, also got uh, Des Superettes, um, which is a, a bakery where they do pizzas also, where he uses local Belgium flour and local ingredients. And it's just really, really beautiful. Like, um, you know, this like simple, simple cooking methods, having these like so many faces around the world, you know? Ah, there is also like a bakery that does an amazing pizza called uh, El Pan de la Chola in Lima, Peru. That's also a okay. very good one. Yeah. What's the pizza like? What's on it? I mean, they they, they also made their own uh, sourdoughs. It's a, like a pretty handcrafted bakery with, with many different types of bread. And they, they go classic. There's not, nothing crazy about it. You know, Napolitanas and Quattro Stagioni and so on. No, no ceviche pizza, no chocolate <laughs> pizza. No, 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 no. What, what are your thoughts on that? On adding pineapple to the pizza, these kind of things. Uh, I don't know. I think it's okay. I think like, um, I mean, in, in the end, I think people should do what they want to do. Uh, and like, I, you know, pizza with corn on it. Hey, why not? You know, like, don't call it traditional Neapolitan. It's like what we were saying about, you know, appropriating things but hey in the end if you're making a nice dough with nice ingredients on top of it you know and you're feeding it to friends or people who are enjoying it you know what's wrong with that i think it's great yeah i agree there, there are also like this uh i don't know how to call them like crazy non-traditional pizza places that you go there and they they add whatever they feel like and the dough is also uh, like a creative way of doing a pizza dough and i think that those places are nice in 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 their own way but uh, as you say i wouldn't put them to compete with pizzerias i would say this is like something else yeah yeah it's kind of hard to sort of like at some point you know it's like the example i was doing earlier like if an indian place started like putting things on naan and baking it like a flat pizza you couldn't really call it pizza you know um it's kind of hard to to point out it would still be delicious You know, like there's nothing wrong with it, but is it a pizza? It's like, nah, it's kind of like a pizza, but not really a pizza. Cool. I guess that's it. I'm really hungry now. <laughs> yeah, me too. Well, what should we talk about in the next episode? So next episode, we're talking about cookbooks. What are our favorite cookbooks? Um, the ones that have, you know, accompanied us throughout years of working in just astronomy and uh, the ones that inspire us most yeah oh, that's a great topic and also a pretty easy one for us yeah okay great see you next time all right see you next time